0: Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Anxiety has been blowing up in the past decade. Even before the pandemic— Anxiety has been on the rise. Perhaps you have sleeplessness, perhaps you have depression. Perhaps you understand what that anxiety feels like. Anxiety can form ourselves in types of panic attacks where you feel like you're literally dying. I've suffered from panic attacks where I've had to pull over my car and say goodbye to everybody because I, I was dying. My heart was beating so fast and I was sweating. I was so and I didn't even know where it came from. But anxiety and stress were causing this actual physical thing inside of me. You want to know the greatest way to make anxiety rise through the roof? Plant a church during a pandemic. You want to talk about anxiety, like all this worry has gone into this story of what we've been in. and As we process today and celebrate, we're closing a chapter of our Richfield location, now moving over to our 206 building location. And as we process, there's people here, both here and online, who have some fantastic stories. There's families who were the original families who met in our home. We sat in our home, and we started to dream. Like, what does it look like to create a church that cares about its community and focuses on disciple-making, discipleship? Our focus is broken-hurting people like we are, brought together and made something beautiful. To And we thought, what should we call it? Mosaic. Perfect. Therefore, we have a name. I remember sitting there scared out of my mind, heart beating in my chest, saying, I'm going to give up my entire future, my family, my security, our finances. Everything was being put on the line. I was scared out of my mind. And then we started to grow as a church family. I'm like, that's awesome. (laughs) You know, this is cool. Like we're growing a little bit and people are coming to our house. And then people started disappearing. Like, "Eh, I don't think this is for us and I remember thinking, well, this is never going to happen. And this little ragtag group of people started public services at Slinger Middle School. And perhaps you joined into our story at public, at the middle school. And at the middle school, it was amazing. The middle school had this new group of church family that started attending and it was growing. And it was so awesome. We had this amazing Christmas Eve service. And I'm like, this is awesome. For those who remember or were part of that Christmas Eve service, that was like the highlight. I'm like, here we go, God. We got this. We're going to blow up. This is so awesome. Anxiety is gone because we're doing good at that moment. I'm like, this is great. And then we had a pandemic. I remember exact moment where that happened. I was sitting in a meeting planning our first Easter service. I got a call from the school district saying, Jason, you can't meet in the middle school anymore. And this is how comical this thing is. That Okay, cool. Like one or two weeks? And they like, we don't know. I said, okay, well, Easter's a couple of weeks off. Should we plan for Easter? And they're like, sure, <laughs> you know. But Jason, we don't know. Little did I know in that meeting that we would never go back again. And so the anxiety turned from an Easter planning service into what do we now do next. And so we did, in my basement, if anyone remembers this time, the family who was there, we set up in my basement these little black curtains We put together, we had worship thrown together, and we filmed and live-streamed for the first time. And then we started doing more live-streaming, and we're like, well, when are we going to come back? And I'm listening to my friends, and my friends are saying, our churches are falling apart during the pandemic, and the tension, the all the things that were happening in society, and my anxiety is through the roof. I'm like, it's over. It's never going to happen. But then Richfield happened. And through the generosity of the owners, they gave us a a place to be during the pandemic time. And it was awesome. And we thought we'd just be here for a little bit, but then what's our next? And then the anxiety I felt as I drove around Slinger, Hartford, Richfield, saying, where do we go after this? Like, do we stay here? Do we take the building next to this and renovate this? God, what do you have for us? And we found the building at 206. And at 206 was six months of negotiations. We had it. We didn't have it. We had it. We didn't have it. Anxiety through the roof, heart pounding, sweating. I'm like, I'm going to crash this whole thing. This ship is going down. It's over. Woe to me. And then God provided. And then 206, we started there. We got in and we started saying, hey, professionals, tell us what we need. They gave us the number of what we need to renovate building at 206. I said, we can never, ever raise that much to be able to do that because HVAC and plumbing and electric and this and that. There's no way, and so my heart is just pounding out of my chest. There's no way we're going to make it. Now we sit on the eve of now, this is our last Sunday gathering at Richfield, and we're moving to 206, and though the building is not complete yet, the building is ours, and we'll be going into the parking lot to have worship services in Slinger Community, right in the most perfect location, could possibly right across from Slinger Middle School. We've been such great friends to us. Opportunity for us to love our community. And I look back at all this. I'm like, why did I worry about anything? Like, what was I so anxious about? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking through this, like, sure, there's a, there's a common theme here of, like, trust, right? But the problem with this whole story is if you heard of what an absolute unbelieving pastor you have. Your pastor doesn't believe that God can do things. Because if I believed, I would have had my faith and trust. I'd have zero anxiety and zero worry. I would have, if, if your pastor believed, I would have sat there and said, hey guys, we're good. We got this. What's there to be worried about? No matter what happens next, I know God's got this. But in spite of me, look at what God did over and over and over and over and over again. Every single time he provided, every single time there was an answer, every single time God was there. So I want to add you into the equation because there's things in your life in which you're full of anxiety and worry. There's things that you're holding on to and your heart is pounding and you're sweating and you're scared for. There's things in your life Where you're like, I just don't think God doesn't really know what's going on. He doesn't care about my future. And you have all these stories going on. These things are happening in your life. So maybe you don't believe either. Now, that's a harsh statement, right? You're like, whoa, wait a minute, Jason. I do believe in God. I do believe in Jesus. I do believe. I'm asking you this question. Do you really believe that he is going to take care and provide for you? Because if you did, you wouldn't worry. Anxiety is gone when you trust that the master is going to take care of you. Anxiety disappears when you truthfully believe that God has something greater for you. But I want you to listen to this because this anxiety is so common right now and is going through the roof. The greatest increase in anxiety has happened among our 18 to 25-year-olds. 18 to 25, 15% of 18 to 25-year-olds before the pandemic, suffered with anxiety. Fear-based, scared, anxious. And they don't know why. Just outside the pandemic, pre-pandemic, where was anxiety coming from? They attribute it to social media, they attribute it to status, and they attribute it to stigma, and they attribute it to poor sleep habits, and they've got all these things they're trying to figure out. But if you truthfully believe that you had a loving, caring, awesome father who's holding you in his arms like a mother and father do to that newborn baby, not even close to letting this baby fall, would you be scared? problem is that we don't believe. And that not believe comes from perhaps thoughts you have about God, perhaps your misconceptions of God. And that's what we're going to dig in today. Because friends, as we move into a new era and we go into the next iteration of a post-pandemic church, we have to ask the question, what has just happened to us? What has happened to Generation Z? Generation Z, our youngest generation, has lived in fear of terrorism since the day they were born. Generation Z has happened post 9-11. Generation Z is now grown up with terrorism, school shootings, and now a pandemic. Can you imagine what's going to start to process over the next 20, 30, 40 years as Generation Z grows and only lives in this concept of fear? Friends, the church at, at no time is a uh, better time than this, must now start to grapple with the fact that if we don't truthfully understand Jesus Christ and what he has done, if we don't truthfully embrace the gospel for the beauty of what it is, We are going to live so fear-based and so anxious and so afraid, it will crush our lives. Perhaps some of you can relate with that even today. So Jesus actually addresses this on the Sermon on the Mount. We're continuing this Sermon on the Mount series. He addresses this topic, and we'll be in Matthew chapter 25, or chapter 2, verses 25 to 34 today. If you want to grab your Bibles or your Bible apps, also up on the screen. Matthew 2, 25 through 34 has been a verse that I've read many, many, many times. Yet I tell you, I suffer with anxiety and fear. What I want to encourage you with is through the process, I have been handing over more and more and more of this to God to say, I trust you. But the question is, why would you trust him? How do you know you can trust him? And Jesus right here in Matthew two twenty five to 34 does an amazing job of explaining it to us as he continues this sermon on the mount, It says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they, they do not reap, sow or reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into a fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Every one of us who have some mileage in our years, each day has enough trouble of its own could be our bumper sticker. We've learned it. Those who are older in life have seen the ebbs and flows and the highs and lows of what's been going on in life. They know that there are mountaintops and they know that there are valleys and they know that this is happening, but yet we worry. And those who are young are experiencing for the first time the first betrayal, the first broken love, the first high, the first low, and they're worrying about, what about my future? What about what things are going to come? No matter where you are on this journey, we all struggle with this idea of Worrying and anxiety. In the previous verses, Jesus was warning. So last week's message, he's warning about a love of money. And whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, you always ask what the therefore is therefore. There's a little Bible reading tip for you. Because he's he's making a point, and he's giving a conclusion. He's coming, so therefore, he's adding to his point. He's talking about the love of money and that we should focus our resources on being generous to other. So the love of money is now equaled into worry and anxiety, puts those two together. Notice both the connecting of these sins, love of money and worry, are this word that you all are going to love to hear right now. Control. Control. If you are a control freak, I need to be in control. I have to be the one who has everything in line. If it doesn't go the way that I planned, I lose my mind, I get anxious, I get scared. If you want to hold control of your future and your money, you want control of saying, I want to know what's coming next. If you want control, understand that's the root of the problem. Because when you hold control, you think you've got it all set. But if I'm in control and I provide for myself and I take care of myself and I've got my own food and clothes and I, I don't rely on anybody, I do me. You don't have to take care. I do me. I'm in control. But then your world starts to get a little shaken and you realize that you're not in control. And your life starts spinning out of control. It's because you're not in control. So control freaks, you aren't in control. We just pretend to be. I tend to be a control freak at times. I've learned to get better, but I tend to be a control freak in times. Um, I am a type A, organized, I want things to go the way I have planned things. I always have a one-year, three-year, five-year, 10-year plan. So I'm the guy we sit down at a job interview, like where do you see yourself in five years? Thank you for asking, let me give you my one, three, five, 10-year plan, right? At this time I'll do this, at this time I'll do this, at this time I'll do this, and by this time I'll be here. I've been like this my whole life. Even in high school, in my yearbook, I talk about how when I'm at this age, I will have this much money, and I'll be doing this, and blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you, friends, never in my 10-year plan was planning a church, which means you would not be sitting here if I was in control. If I was in control, I wouldn't know you. Because if I was in control, it was started back in 2000 when I'd interview for NFL to be on their sports medicine team. Some of you who don't know, my undergrads in sports medicine, and my dream was to get into Major major League Baseball or the NFL. So I was starting to interview and look into the prosperity of our uh, prospect of beginning into Major League Baseball, sitting in the brewer's dugout, spitting seeds every sunny days. Absolutely. That's my control. That was my dream. That's what I wanted. And then through a course of, of story that happens, like only God can do. I found myself sitting at a desk accepting a job as a junior high youth pastor, taking half of the salary I had, saying, What did I just do? As the kids walked in, smelly and snot running down their face after punching each other in the face, and I'm pulling kids apart. And I'm like, just love Jesus, like, give us more nachos, you know. I'm like, what did I just do? And then the course of life that took me through years of youth ministry, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna do this for a short time, but at some point I'm gonna go get I'm gonna get paid, I'm gonna make some money. I, I'm going to ministry for a short time and get money, but then I didn't. I stayed in ministry, did youth ministry, moved to this position. God opened this opportunity, and then my last place before I ever thought, I said, okay, I just want to follow you, Jesus, and go where you want me to go, and I relinquished control. Never in my 10-year plan was planning a church. Jesus said, I want you to start a church, and I said, cool, no. I, what am I going to do? What am I going to do about money? What am I, I going to take care of things like? How, how am I going to? What am I going to do? There? How do I? Just relax, take a breath. I've got this. One of the most calming, most amazing. This Bible verse came to life moment as I sat on. I was on my floor in my bedroom next to my bed, on my knees, weeping, broken, hurting, scared, sad. And as I sat there praying, now, I don't know if if God has spoken to you before or if you've heard God speak to you, for as God speaks to me, it's like this feeling that comes over me and these words that come to me that weren't inside of anything within where I was at in that moment, like only God. And I sat there and I said, God, I I don't want to do this. I'm scared. Jason, he knows my name. God knows my name, which is really cool. I wouldn't speak to myself, right? Like, like, what's up? You know, I did this. And the peace of God that came over me to say that he was in it and started in motion a church planting thing, I have this. Follow me. That is terrifying. Because now I take from holding tight onto a steering wheel and having control of my life to say, but what about the details? what about this? What about my five-year plan, God? I have a five-year plan. Don't worry, there's a pandemic coming. Like, was he going to tell me that? No, right? I had no idea. And just in my story, I know many of you can relate in your own stories, that this anxiety and this fear that was just crippling me at the time, I believe I had what's best for my future. But if I went with the course that I thought we are not talking today, there is no Mosaic Church. Lost people would not be being found through our family. Broken people would not be finding healing through our church family. It was God the whole time. So it makes me sit back and ask this question, maybe is God smarter than me? Like, I don't know. I'm really going to wrestle with that this morning. Is God smarter than me? Is God better than me? Is the gospel better than what I'm trying to hold on to with my little life? Because if I can understand Jesus better, what his story is, I start to open my hands and say, why am I trying to hold control of something, which I don't have control of anyway, which isn't as good as what God has? And this is where it keeps moving down, how Jesus breaks us down. He moves on to the next portion. Do not worry about your life. Here's a spiritual life checkup for you. God is in control of everything, does that scare you? Does it scare you? Here's your spiritual life checkup. God's in control of your bank account right now. And if he wants to, it's zero. God's in control of the breath you're taking right now. And if he so chose, it stops. God's in control of your future. If that scares you, spiritual life checkup, But a lot of this comes from our misunderstanding of who God is. And this is where, as we grow spiritually, things start to shift. If you don't know the characteristics of God, how do you even trust him? If you refer to God as the big man upstairs, if he is a picture of an abusive father that you grew up with, the angry dad who is hitting you, yelling at you, mad at you, if you've got a picture of God that is so deeply rooted in negativity, darkness, you're going to say it scares me to death, Jason, because I have no desire to let that angry, vengeful, mean god have anything to do with my life. I get that. But that's not who he is. When we see the scripture, our father is a loving, protecting father of his children, and though we go through things are hard and a lot of life that we don't want, Like a good father, he leads us to what is good. I'm not saying that God's going to give you what you want. In fact, I would say the following the path of God gives you a lot of what you don't want. Example, me. I never thought, dreamed, desire, built, thought of, okay, this is my plan for my future. It's a different way of thinking, a different way of processing, that if you can process the idea that a good, loving father who cares for his children is going to correct his children... And lead him on a pathway that he sees best for not only our story, but for his story and for his children's story and for the glory of God's story changes everything. So it breaks down, do you trust God? If you don't trust God, what do you believe about him that stops you from trusting him? I believed in the process of Mosaic that he was doing something great. I believed that in the process of doing all this, that he was taking care of us. What I did not believe was that he cared about me. I believed that in this process, now, you're like, Whoa, big statement, right? But the, everything that we have, if we don't believe something true about God, we believe something not true about God. And I had a not truth inside of me. I just didn't get the fact that he cared about me enough to care for such things as God Our bills are due. We don't have anything. What should we do next? Yet God provided. Over and over and over again. Hey, God, cool story. Nobody's coming. (laughs) You know, like, what do we do next? This is the thing. When you believe something about God, whether it's true or not true, it's going to instill the way you see God. And so seeing God for the truth of who he is transforms everything. If you know that God is the great provider and you believe it, why would you worry about him providing? That's the story of this message on my Sermon on the Mount. But Jesus goes on. What you will eat or drink. Many of us, some of us, many of us across the nation has dealt with this. I like that what you eat or drink or use for toilet paper during the pandemic. Great fear led a hoarding during a pandemic, great fear that there would not be enough, great fear as loss of jobs was going across our country, great fear when we thought, what's going to happen next? Fear was starting to move throughout our nation for the simplest things of what we're going to eat and drink. I heard things in podcasts about, well, what's going to happen if the water gets shut off, the electrical grid? You know, all the preppers are like, see, we told you, you know, like, it's a great show. You should watch it sometime. But, uh, you know, the idea of that, we, we're not going to have food to even go into our body. We wouldn't have water. It's terrifying. Why do you worry about it? And Jesus goes on, your body and what you will wear, the basic protection from the elements. Why do we worry about what we would wear? Now, we can't translate this as well to our culture because y'all have way too many clothes. You have more than enough clothes in your closet. And in our country, you can go to a secondhand store, and get some sick name brand clothes, which are way cooler than stuff that I wear any day of the week, and like be totally have fresh drip. That's for all you young kids. And then you can look good and you can have more clothes than what you need, and more shoes, and more purses, and formal wear, and t shirts, and hoodies, and this layer, and that layer. We have enough clothes in our country. What about others? We take it for granted that clothes are here right now. We're more worried about do I have something that's new versus something that's going to keep me warm. When we think through this in our society, I want to pause for a second and give you a reflection back to Genesis chapter three. In Genesis chapter three, Adam and Eve sinned. God now curses man and curses woman with this thing that now we have to live with. And the very next thing He does after He puts this onto man and woman for sinning is he goes and makes clothes for them out of skin. Now, skin means that there is an animal. So an animal died in Genesis chapter 3 to give the clothes to Adam and Eve. And so in Genesis chapter 3, you see God already showing us the precursor to the gospel, that there must be a sacrifice that's made for the forgiveness of sin. Because before that, they were just booty butt naked. They were fine. They were good. There was no guilt. There was no shame. They didn't even know what sin was. When they disobeyed God, sin now brought guilt and shame. And so God provides a sacrifice, an animal sacrifice, in which he brings clothes over them, and yet God provided again. But God doesn't just provide and putting on the clothes. It's the precursor of the gospel that God is going to provide yet again for us because he's going to send his son to die for us. So really... When we understand the gospel with the entirety of what it is, there's zero worry involved because God has provided the smallest thing to the greatest thing in the sacrifice of his son. God always provides. So why do you worry? Perhaps we worry because it's not what we want. I think that's what it is. It's not what I like. God, thank you so much for this really rad sheep vest. I'm a little more of a goat guy, so if you could go ahead And give me some goat. Like, maybe it's not what I want. It's not the future I want. It's not the story that I want, which brings us back to control. (laughs) Worry and control are completely and utterly linked together and can't be separated. Because when we have control and things go the wrong way, then worry and anxiety enters. And Jesus is making this evidence over and over again. But some of you may be thinking, you don't understand my situation, Jason. In my situation, I'm worried about who I'm going to marry. Like, am I going to get married someday? I'm worried about this. Like, I'm journaling, like, all my stuff about who I want to marry. And I'm putting together my wedding book. They still do that stuff with all the wedding dresses you want and the colors. And, like, you know, and you have this big book. Like, look, I'm getting married. Really big book. And I'm worried about it. I'm stressing on it. But what if I never get married? But what about your meeting Tomorrow. I'm worried about my meeting tomorrow. I'm afraid my boss is going to fire me. I'm afraid to walk into this meeting. I don't know what he's going to say to me. Um, I had all this confrontation on Friday. I may lose my job. But Jason, you don't know. I'm going to college. Where do I go? What do I become? What am I supposed to do with my future? Jason, I'm worried about my children. My children are going in all different directions. I'm worried about their future, their college, who they're going to marry. Jason, I'm worried about my mom. I just found out my mom was sick this week. Doctor says she may not make it through her illness. I don't know. I'm worried about mom. Friends, I don't want you to hear this and what I'm teaching is some flippant, get over it and not worry. I've heard those kind of messages before. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that through everything, there are terrible experiences of life. We're in some right now. Some of you are in the middle right now. I'm not implying, and neither was Jesus, that you should like what's happening. I'm not implying, and neither was Jesus, that life isn't going to put you in hard places. But what I'm saying is when we worry, we ultimately don't believe something about God. We ultimately believe that God's not going to provide if you lose your job on Monday. We ultimately don't believe that God, we don't believe, we say, God doesn't care about my mom. We say, if we don't believe, God doesn't care about my future. The list goes on and on and on. When we put worry up against what God, the situation, there's something not true we believe about God when we start to hang on and try to grab control. Because no matter what happens, you can't add a second to your life. That's what the word says. Here is what is true about God. God is the great provider. Over and over again, he provides God does love your mother. He sent his son to die for her. He loves your mom if you found out she's sick. God does care about your future. Jesus Christ came and died to give you hope and give you a future. Trust where he's going to lead you. It will be good. So listen again to this passage with a new thought. What you believe about God directly impacts your worry and your anxiety. Listen to this again. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to her life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God takes care of his creation, and God values and loves you. God provides all these little microscopic details which you will never see with your own human eye, and God values and loves you. God takes care of every bird that you see flying around, everything that's happening right now, the buds coming off of our trees. God's providing lilies of the field, flowers to grow simply to worship and go back to him, the creation, and God values and loves you. God takes care of things that we can't even imagine. And then he says in this passage, Directly talking to you, God values and loves you. So why are you worrying? Perhaps we don't believe somewhere inside of us when we get to that place of worry that God values and loves us. Perhaps we're projecting an old story on him from someone who heard us from our past and we wonder, God, do you really value and love me? Jesus says this, If this is the truth you take home, it's stuck in your head. God values and loves you. People far from God, who do not know God, protect themselves, and they try to cover themselves and get all this money, protection, and clothes, and food, and they store up for themselves, thinking, nobody can hurt me. God says, don't do that. I love you. I value you. And he lands this passage with this. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all this other things, all this other stuff, will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has its own has enough trouble of its own. Worry is removed when we seek the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the way of everything we've been teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. To learn about the kingdom of God, read Matthew five, six, and seven. The Sermon on the Mount teaches this new way of living, this new school, if you will, way that Jesus brought to us on earth because Jesus' way is better. Seek first that Jesus is better. Seek first the way of Jesus because it is better. That is the kingdom of God. Secondly, seek His way and live a righteous life. Live the way that Jesus has for us. Righteousness, live the way He lived. Be interested in the things he's interested in. Focus on the thing he's focused on. Live the way he's called us to do. And then you will find peace. So as you're processing for a second, how much worry and anxiety in your life comes from because you're making choices that does not line up with the kingdom of God. Choices in your life do not line up with the kingdom of God. If you feel like I have your name in my mind right now staring at you, I'm not because I know that anxious feeling. The pastor's looking at me, so I'm looking down on purpose, right? I'm just asking you the question, friends. What worry and anxiety is being caused because the choices you're making don't line up with the kingdom of God? Next question. How much anxiety and worry in your life is because you are not living a life of righteousness? Kingdom of God plus righteousness equals worry-free life. Perhaps when I struggle and I need to have control, I found that's usually about not lining up with the kingdom of God. I'm not focused on his ways. I'm trying to pull my own weight, do it my own way. And a lot of times, honestly, friends, it comes because I'm not living righteous, not living the way he's called me to live, not making choices the way I should be making choices. And those two now make me freak out, kind of like I'm thrown into a sea and there's no one there to save me. And I'm just doggy paddling, trying to keep my head above water. And I feel like I'm drowning. Have you ever had that feeling? You feel like you're drowning and there's no one here to save me? But this is the story. Jesus says, I'm right here and I have saved you and I'm going to save you. Trust me. I will provide. I will trust God will provide. And as we celebrate our last day here in Richfield location, we celebrate something. We have nothing to worry about. God's going to provide for it. So why worry about it? As our path goes, we now say that's the path God had for us. As I look at all the ups and downs and lefts and rights of our Mosaic family story, God has not gone the way that I've decided to go. He's not gone the way I wanted him to go. But it's been good. So why am I worrying about this stuff? Am I worried about, I'm not going to like it? That's dumb. Like, let go, right? So whatever happens in our next story, in our next chapter of the Mosaic family, trust. Trust that God will provide. Do not worry about anything. Now, you guys like, we're not worried. We're here. This is great, you know? I'm saying as a family, this is how we live. I want a church family that comes together and we challenge each other to be closer to the kingdom of God and his righteousness because then everything else is added. Imagine a church family that lives anxious, free, worry-free, trusting-free, inside the building, but in your own lives. Because sure, you're like, ah, it's a church family. We got this. As soon as you get home and you start to see bills mounting up, stories, I got to talk to my boss on Monday, all these different things, think differently. Trust God. As you move into our next chapter, God will provide, so why worry? As you move to your next chapter, God will provide, so why worry? We have nothing to worry about because God loves and values you. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering.